following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. I have shown it to you with your own eyes. However, however, you will not cross over into it. The first five books of our Bibles and the life of Moses end with this statement from God to Moses. I'll talk about unfair. It's as though Moses has completed all of the course requirements, but doesn't get to graduate. He's worked diligently. He's persevered through so many troubles and hardships, not to mention all the complaining of those that he has been trying hard to lead, but he doesn't get to reap the rewards. I've shown it to you with your own eyes, but you won't cross over into it. Moses has been leading the people through thick and thin for 40 years by this point, wandering in the wilderness, being formed over time through hardship as God's covenant people. Before that, he had worked to liberate them out of their captivity in Egypt. And of course, we recall, neither of those jobs was one that he had asked or applied for. In fact, he'd quite adamantly resisted them. And yet, he went. He went where God sent him, he did what God called and equipped him to do, and now here he is. Now here he is, right at the very edge of where his life's work has been leading. The view from the peak of the Pisgah slope this morning is a view of everything he has worked toward and desired. God is finally, finally, after all these years, fulfilling the promise to God's people. But now, now to the leader who has faithfully guided the people there, to the one who has worked so hard to make that promise possible to Moses, God says, I have shown it to you, but you won't get there. It is a rather strange ending to such an epic life, and yet we must say it's also quite familiar. In fact, it is universal. It is a reality that each and every one of us will experience and share. It is, we might say, a precondition of being mortal, that our work, that our ministry, that our lives never, never are complete. In a sense, we live our whole lives at the peak of the Pisgah Slope, looking and living toward the fullness of beloved community as it is still, still coming. God's dream for our lives, God's dream for this world. One way we might think of this is to consider then the the sort of future or legacy that we are passing on to those who will come after us. I will give it to your descendants, God says. So I wonder, and I invite you to wonder with me, what sort of world are we passing on to our descendants? Not just in the specifics, for those details always are changing, but I mean in those those fundamental values upon which we, we set our feet. What sort of world... What sort of world will our children inherit from us? If we were to hike up our metaphorical Mount Nebo today and and stand right beside Moses at the peak of the Pisgah Slope, would we be satisfied with the world or the neighborhood or the church that we're passing on? Or right now, right here in Kent, what are folks inheriting or noticing or, or perceiving in us through our lives here and now? What message are we sharing? What sort of future are we living toward? What what values are we communicating through our priorities and our practices? How are our neighbors experiencing God through us? 
Our lives always communicate, whether we intend them to do so or not. What we say or or leave unsaid, what we do or leave undone, with whom we stand or choose not to stand, where we serve or or don't serve, how generous we are or not, how open-minded and open-hearted we are or not, all of it speaks. Our neighbors know who we are, what we value, what nourishes and guides our lives. And together as church, in our life together as the United Methodist Church of Kent, what are we telling our neighbors about about who we are and what we value and, and who God is? Not just in our words, but in our actions and in our words. What sort of God is becoming known by our neighbors through the shape, the content, the communication of our life together? Today is our Commitment Sunday as a congregation. Which means that this is our opportunity, this is our opportunity as individuals and together to decide, to to choose again for a new year who and whose we're going to be. Throughout this whole month of October, we've been focusing on five essential practices through which we live connected with God and with each other. And I've suggested each week specific goals for each of those practices, guideposts that can help us to grow as disciples and and deepen our relationships with each other in our neighborhood and with God. Our congregation's slogan, as many of you will know, is a place to grow. We might say these five practices we've been talking about are the way that we grow. And as we commit to them and then as we live them, They become a primary means through which we communicate, we share, we bear witness to God's presence and activity as we radiate God's love out into our community. We began the month with worship, a practice of giving attention to God. Worship grows our gratitude as we direct our attention beyond ourselves toward the giver of all that we have and are. We practice worship, we grow our gratitude both individually and together, praying at least five times every day as individuals and then worshiping together with the community every week or, or at least 90% of Sundays through the year. And then we talked about study as our practice of connecting through learning, cultivating together a, an, an attitude, a posture of curiosity and wonder by studying scripture on our own and and then participating with others in short-term classes and ongoing small groups, we sink our roots deeply in God's intentions for this world. We open ourselves to God's still speaking voice and, and by grace we grow more fully into the image and likeness of Christ. And then the next week we talked about serving as a practice that connects us by growing our kindness and our justice, being intentional rather than random, being intentional about acts of kindness toward our neighbors, expanding our awareness of the lived experiences of others, and uncovering the courage that lives in each of us to advocate toward justice and equity both in the church and in the broader world. And then last week we talked about giving as a practice that connects us and grows our generosity. Far too often, our money and material possessions divide us and change in a fundamental way the way that we perceive one another, perceiving one another as competitors instead of companions. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can use our money differently. We can choose to use our money to connect us instead by investing in our local community and investing in our faith community, giving to support our shared mission and ministry both locally and globally, building up the body of Christ. Now today, our fifth and final practice is the practice of sharing. 
And really, it is a culmination of the other four. For what we are sharing is God's presence and God's unconditional love for every person and every bit of creation. And, and, and what we are sharing is those values that we cultivate through those other practices. Through our practice of worship and study, serving and giving, through our faithfulness and, and commitment to these practices, our lives grow over time to bear witness more completely to God's presence and activity in our lives and in the world. We become living and breathing legacies of God's unconditional love as we build our lives, as we form our attention and our words and our actions around loving God and loving our neighbors well. Our lives become more shaped by gratitude and curiosity, kindness and justice and generosity. Those values, those core characteristics so desperately needed in our world right now become the legacy that our lives communicate. But of course, we will need to use our words as well. Uncomfortable as they may be for us, we will need to speak our faith too. We will need to share our faith. We will need to share God's love by inviting through our words folks to come join us. For love is always, always reaching outward. Sharing our faith doesn't mean that we have to have all the answers or exactly the right words to share because sharing our faith isn't about trying to convince folks or argue folks into the church. Sharing our faith is about sharing life with them, sharing love with them. And that begins not with speaking, but with listening. Listening deeply and listening intentionally to other people's stories, hearing who they are and what they value what they desire for their lives and family and neighborhood. In a world that's so terribly rushed and fragmented, such listening will begin with making space, being intentional about noticing our neighbors, our actual neighbors, the folks who live near us, who work with us, getting to know them well so that we can share God's love with them over time. As you hear their story, then you can begin over time to share your story all on the way to God's story. And so you'll need to listen to your own story, too, through prayer and reflection and conversations with others, listening for the ways that God is speaking to you. Identify the difference that God's love is making in your life and then pray for opportunities to share it. Our first goal for sharing is to pray for five individuals who are not yet or not currently participating in a community of faith. Think of specific individuals and pray for them, family members, co-workers, neighbors, classmates. For those who have been part of this congregation for years now, maybe you can think of folks who used to be active here in the life of this congregation, but whom you haven't seen in a while. Maybe this can be an opportunity for you to reach out and to reconnect. Because our other goal for sharing in the coming year is to invite five people to some event or gathering of this congregation. It could be a worship service, but certainly it doesn't need to be could be a service project that we do together, a class, a, a, a one-time book discussion, a concert, a walk in the park. After listening to your neighbors and deepening your relationships with them and praying for them, you can discern then the best way to invite them. And don't just invite them, but bring them. Share that experience with them. Because ultimately, our practice of sharing is about sharing life together. The Christian faith, life in the way of Jesus always is incarnational. It means that we are meant to put flesh and bones on our love, just as God does in Jesus Christ. So consider again each of those practices and characteristics 
that we've been exploring throughout this month. Worship and gratitude, study and curiosity, serving and kindness and justice, giving and generosity. It sure seems to me like our world, like our neighborhood, our workplaces, our schools, our families, ourselves, sure seems to me like our world could use more of each of these. They are the good news that we're called to share. So what if we did that in this coming year? Imagine with me in 2024 or throughout 2024, what if we as a whole congregation and and each of us as individuals, what if we were to decide to choose to put flesh and bones on gratitude and curiosity and kindness and justice and generosity through our actual practices, through our way of life together? Imagine the impact of a whole congregation deeply committed to embodying actively these values. A couple of weeks ago, I invited you to fill out small group ministry interest forms so that we could begin considering and designing ongoing small groups that will help us to deepen our connections with each other and with God. I'm I'm still going through those. For those of you who filled them out, thank you. For those of you who haven't, it's not too late. Please do. There are paper copies out in the atrium. You can also complete it online through our website. I invite you to imagine with me for a moment this morning. What if we were to design small groups around growing in these essential practices that we've been talking about this month? What if we were to gather with six to ten other folks who want to know us and who want to be known by us, and, and we had conversations every week or every couple of weeks about how we're doing at, at worshiping and studying and serving and giving and sharing? How it is that we're exercising in our lives day to day and, and growing the characteristics that we want to see more of in the world? What if we could then encourage each other and and offer practical suggestions to one another and and practice together and hold one another accountable? Imagine the impact in ourselves. If we were to meet here in our building or, or meet out in a coffee shop or online or in a park or in someone's home and grow together through prayerful conversations, and then maybe once a month or maybe every couple of months, we were to serve side by side together in our neighborhood. Imagine the impact, the legacy in our community. God's love living through us, embodied, practiced, shared in ordinary day-to-day moments, shared meals and conversations among friends. On this, our Commitment Sunday, I hope that you'll join me in some prayerful imagination. And don't allow your imagination to be limited by mine. Stand with me on the peak of the Pisgah Slope and let's look out toward the year to come, dreaming together of a more generous and kind, more just and gentle world. And then I hope you'll join with me in living toward it too, through our worship and our study, our serving and giving and sharing. Whether we get all the way there or not, let us commit to living it together in these very practical ways living in the direction of a more beloved world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.